Off the Ball. Getting inside the game. Sponsored by Ireland's favourite car brand, Ford. Go further. All right, you're very welcome along to Friday Night's Off the Ball. It's a very busy weekend of sport here. We've got a brilliant doubleheader for you on Sunday's show. It is Spurs and Chelsea and it's Liverpool Swansea. And then on tomorrow, we've got a Tipperary hurling panel for you. That's uh, coming up between one and six tomorrow. Tonight, it's a Friday night. We're going to get to Brian and Jessica in just one second. We're going to bring you our best of, and after multiple complaints, at least two, the crappy quiz makes its eagerly awaited return. The uh, producer responsible for last week's screw-up is no longer with us because he's on holidays. Uh, all right, 53106 is the text number. If you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, tweet us here at Off the Ball. Brian and Jessica, you're very welcome to the studio. Yeah, always good to be here. How you doing? Great, great. Uh, do you miss the, the build-up to games like Leinster Ulster, or are you like... No, no, thanks very much. Well, when you look out the window and <laughs> it is how it is today, uh, I don't think you miss, miss it a whole lot. Um, I think you you miss the game, the actual 80 minutes, but I don't really miss the lead up to it or the heightened anticipation from the crowds or from you know the players within the squad. I, you know, I don't miss that side of things. Yeah. It's literally just the act of the 80 minutes. And you know today is definitely a roll your sleeves up sort of day. Yeah, it's not not particularly pleasant. Uh, and also, there's a bit of a stink around at the moment. Everybody's down on Irish rugby from like two months ago. It was as high as it's ever been in the country, and now suddenly it's like, well, well we're never going to win a game again. Look at these fixture lists; they're awful. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I think we are all suffering that. I think um, as uh, you know, someone has recently come out of the game. Um, my expectation was as high as everyone else's and now it does feel we do feel a bit flatlined yeah. about it all particularly off the back of um, you know, Leinster's two two results uh, thus far in the, in the Champions Cup um, Ulster obviously have only played one game but you know they've lost their you know their first home match um, and you know, Munster seemed to be our, our real only hope in, in European competition this year and it's such a turnaround from where the provinces have been in recent years that this is an, a really alien feeling to us because irrespective of how the Irish team have gone you know we've always had you know some province in contention in Europe and and going well and giving us um, giving us hope for um, you know for entertaining rugby and, and winning rugby and it just doesn't feel as though that's there and now the onus we have to wait to Six Nations for the onus to kick back to the national team again and can they pick themselves up from yeah. where they left off or sorry from, from the disappointment of the World Cup and try and do it three in a row in the Six Nations unprecedented from, from our point of view yeah um, and you wouldn't feel very confident at this remove that you know <laughs> no because the provinces have always shown um, some form to lead into the national team. Uh, it's rare enough that we've had one without the other. Um, we're not Wales. We're, the we're not Wales. No, we're not. We need we need to inspire ourselves to get our confidence up um, for at least one team to be able to bring that in and for everyone else to feed off that positivity, that positive nature. Um, Munster had it for years, and you know, we used to try and suck it out of them, um, you know, for within our within Ireland and bring it back to our province. And then I suppose you know Leinster went through their their purple patch, um, and I presume the other provinces did likewise. Yeah. It just doesn't feel as though that's there. And so, where do you inspire that confidence to bring the national team back to the level of the Six Nations over the past two years and back to the pre-Argentina game of the World Cup? 
Yeah, I was going to wait a while to talk about this, but we may as well do it now. The the Leinster team this week actually looks like it's got way better balance than the team which took the field last week, which is really unfortunate because last week is actually even a much bigger game. We've got Issa in as a late change at full-back. It's Kirshner and Luke Fitzgerald on the wings, Madigan at 12, Benteo at 13, Sexton's obviously at 10, and Luke McGrath, who played brilliantly when he came off the bench last week, is at 9. Um, what's the difference in this back line and the one from last week? Um... I think obviously, just reading on, on some comments that Lukey made during the week, he sees himself as a twelve this yeah. year, and so he'll be immediately disappointed to you know, revert to the to the left wing. Um, ben Teo has been excellent for for Leinster for large parts, but I thought I was a little bit disappointed with some of his defending at the weekend. I think he tried to look for the big hit, and he got it once or twice, but he actually hurt the backline system by shooting out of the line once or twice where, where a ball was actually popped out of the tackle and so it, it kind of it had that dog leg effect of the the inside plug had to double under him rather than actually working as a unit. So it you know big hits are fantastic, you know, if they come off and you stop ball and all. When they get get them out of the tackle it can really have an, an adverse knock on effect. Yeah. And so I just would like him to try and be part of the cohesive unit of the def- defensive line rather than you know looking for those those ma- massive hits that are fantastic to watch yeah. and do inspire a team but this you know just pick your moments. Yeah, this isn't actually all about the YouTube highlights. Is no, it? it's not. It's about it. It is about the unit and and trying to. Do you know what? As much as in the attack game, in the defensive game, you build that that understanding of one another. It's new personnel there. Ben's played. I don't know as he played with Luke before in the centre. Maybe last year at some stage, but very little. He hasn't played in the three quarter line with Luke and and Johnny uh, playing with different wingers. You know, each week Dave Carney's in one week. Zane Kirshner. Um, so you know Gary Ringrose has been playing the wing so it's just about trying to help out your winger and get one another understanding body language and without having to talk to one another be able to defend as a unit that's that's the next phase on from actually being able to communicate with one another From an, a, a defensive point of view okay so they need to definitely look like a, a group who've played together a bit more and I guess maybe playing time is the most important thing but that from an attacking perspective um Luke McGrath starts at nine and, and Sexton still just playing himself into form at the moment. Yeah, you know, Johnny hasn't been at his best um, since he's come back. Um, I've watched you know, all, all of the games he's been involved in. Um, you know, I'm sure certainly the Wasp game, he made some uncharacteristic uh, errors that, you know, you, you would never expect from him, particularly, you know, um, multiple kicks out on the full or... or um, you know, that kick to the corner where Lenser really needed to put some pressure on, he kicked it dead. Th- those things aren't aren't very Johnny esque, and so he's probably struggling a little bit for form. But he just needs to play his way into it as well. To be honest with you, you, you Europe has to be shelved now. Like the likelihood of them getting out of that pool is about three percent. Yeah, and you know I saw the odds have only gone to thirty three to one. The bookies haven't been overly generous there. You yeah. know, so they. You know, maybe they are are backing the team a little bit more than than the rest of us. But back to back in Talon, having Talon already lost a game, um, they need to now focus on Pro Twelve and, and getting back to winning ways and just play their way into a bit of form. Not, you know, play the the Leinster brand or try to entertain. Just get back and a good hard fought victory this uh, this evening would be fantastic. Is is part of the so? There's actually about fifteen different moving problems that they have to deal with. The scrum was a disaster last week. Uh, the speed at which the ball has been coming back has been a disaster the the mixing and chopping and changing of the players that are available to Cullen has been almost impossible for him to deal with and uh, the the 
18 players, 17, 18 players who come back from the World Cup were being introduced to a whole new system and new calls and an entire new coaching team. So I have a lot of sympathy with Leo Cullen and the difficulty he finds himself in. It's um, it's a number of different fires that he has to try and put out. So in terms of controlling what he controls, is that like in training this week, making sure that all the basics are done, that the scrum doesn't malfunction the way it did horribly? The scrum has a, has a ma- still has a major impact on the outcome of a game. Um, and I think the best example, and Leinster fans, you know, will love looking back to it, is the scrum that that we the the, the way we suffered in the, the Heineken final against Northampton a few seasons ago, where yeah. we you know the, the constant knock-ons were leading to scrums, and then um, five or six penalties, scrum penalties, uh, possession kicked fifty meters down the pitch, or three points knocked over, and you you can't build any momentum from that. Uh, and so when you fix that, which you managed to do at half time, did some video analysis, changed technique, and all of a sudden our scrum was in the ascendancy, and the knock-on effect that had, and the, and the negative impact it had on the on the Northampton players and the Northampton aid in particular, because as much as we as backs, you know, appreciate that there's there's dark arts involved, it really has a huge positive effect if you have a if you have a a, a positive scrum and. And you're um, you're getting one over the opposition from a from a front front five point of view in particular. Yeah, they really it, you can you can kind of feel chest puffing out, and they really it's it's an aspect of their game that that they want to be marked on, and they feel that if they achieve well in that area, well, they're you know they're a long way down the road to, towards top marks. Yeah, and and winning the game. Yeah, and so it actually cost Leinster the game against Bath last week in in a lot of ways. Does that mean that actually there's way more positives from that Bath game than we think? Because fix this one thing, okay, granted it's absolutely massive, but fix this one thing and everybody else has played well enough to keep you in the game. Yeah, like I don't think it was a brilliant Wasps team or a brilliant Wasps performance. Um, so, uh, sorry, Bath, I, sh- I should say. Um, I think they... I think they... Um, yes, of course, they gave away you know some terrible penalties... Um, but for me, the disappointing thing, besides that, you shelve that, you shelve the scrum. The disappointing thing is the speed of the ruck ball. Right, it's it's just not been quick enough. Um, and if you can look after that, and there's, there was a big thing, and we keep going back to Joe and 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 you know the speed of ruck ball that he was generating at Leinster and with Ireland. It's about this barrel, this left barrel and right barrel, and identifying when you're getting to the ruck. When you or when you're at the ruck, it's too late. You need to identify en route to the ruck. And hit left side, hit right side, third guy secures it, and then it's fast ball. It's too much of scrum halves digging in for rooks, committing four and five players. If you commit five players to a rook plus a ball carrier, you know, you're you're five, six players down. You've nine to play with. It's it's, it's it's simple maths. And then you look at teams like Wasp committing one tackler and maybe one to the rook. You've got 13 outfield players and a defensive line in, in the backfield. That you just have to be more clinical at rook time, and that's, a, that's something they can absolutely work on. Yeah. Okay. So that would be the hope from a Leinster perspective tonight. What do you expect from Ulster? Are they uh, are they going in the right direction? Or is it... I don't know. Again, Kissy's only you know is, is a wet week in the job. You know, yeah. he was with, with Ireland for the whole World Cup. You know, no preseason done. So I'm sure, of course, he was probably you know Joe Schmidt was telling them don't focus on on yeah. you know Ulster. I'm sure he must have been messaging Neil Doak, giving him a you know, little bit of tip stuff. Uh, understanding where they needed to improve or what way he wanted the game to to, to be played when he, when he you know was going to be there in in full force. So I think Ulster I, I, Ulster are, are missing a few things. I think 
They're missing the savvy of um, of Jared as much as Ireland did. I also think they're missing a bit of steel in the pack. I think they haven't replaced Johan Muller yeah. uh, from a few f- seasons ago. Um, you know, Van der Merwe is just not the same quality of player. It's simple. Um, and I think they just they, they got bullied and got beaten up at home. Something that is, has rarely happened. And yes, it's a, it's a strong Saracens team. I think probably the one English co- club that can compete with, um, with, with you know, the French superpowers uh, for this European Cup. It's going to be so predictable again. You know, Saracens semi-final, Claremont semi-final and Toulon and then maybe one other. Yeah. Um, but it, I just don't know where, where Ulster have that cutting edge or have that big physicality. Even against those teams, you would expect Ulster at home to be able to prevent them from scoring tries, just to like not give away the penalties that they gave away, to stay in that game, to make it a one-score game with 10 minutes left to go? Like Particularly, do you know what? It was it was funny just watching the footage. Like Austin Healy on, on the side of the pitch actually did a quick demo as to what Saracens are going to do. And you know, Ashton, first receiver, out the back to Farrell with Barrett Short. And sure enough, they scored a try from it. Yeah. They did it a couple of times against Toulouse the previous week. So like, what the scouting you do is the most recent game because teams in general are creatures of habit. Yeah. They, you know, what's gone well for them, they tend to practice and the more you practice, the better you get at it. So you know, there's no point in going back and scouting something that they've done last season. There's a good chance that's been shelved. The most recent games is what you should expect coming at you. And, and that's exactly what came at Ulster. And for them not to be able to deal with, with that... Um, that first try, that first try where um, you know Cave didn't read through. It actually started on the inside. McCluskey, you know, I was looking at his, his head position. He was looking in. The knock-on effect of Darren Cave was he wasn't sure whether you know McCluskey had Brad Barrett, so he had, a, had to have a quick look at him. And then by the time it went out the back, he read through to Farrell and he shot but couldn't get there. Yeah. And then the knock-on effect left Trimble in no man's land. And and Louis Ludic, you know, again was was caught in limbo as to whether uh, Good was going to get there or whether you know he should stay out in Wilds. And, and you've got a, a try in the corner. That's it's fairly elementary. If they all defend as a unit or you know a, a bit more with a bit more cohesion, I think you stop that try. And because I'm sure, you know, under Les Kiss, who's a big guy for analysing teams, I'm sure he would have identified that as a as a possible threat. These league games are all massively important now because uh, if you're to avoid the seedings that we have this year and the situation that we have this year and you've got to you got to reach the final of the league this year so uh, things are going quite well in terms of the league position for the Irish provinces for the top five obviously uh, are held by the, the four Irish provinces at the moment but that's why these games are actually incredibly important and they've got to win them they absolutely are like again you know, to be thinking about next season's Champions Cup so early is um, is crazy. It's kind of grim. It is a bit grim. It is. You know, it's yeah. it's still November. But maybe it's a good thing and for the sport that these games, like you know, that the league, the domestic league, needs to be strong. Yeah, it does. It does. It, it does mean, you know, no matter what, the season was always dependent on Europe. Yeah. And the Pro Twelve, not it wasn't filler because it is worth winning, of course, because you have to play an awful lot of games and you have to beat some good teams, some not so good teams. Yeah. And then you're selling here. Go invariably, on. <laughs> in the semi-final final, you come across very good teams. Yeah. So you do have to win some tough games, but it is about Europe. Yeah. Irish problems have always been about Europe, and we judge our our season essentially on how well we've done in Europe. And if you can pick up a win in the Pro Twelve as well, fantastic. Or if you get to a final, oh, not bad. But you know, we're looking that the, from the grim position of losing two from two and having back to back in Toulon, Leinster. 
it's not a nice place to be and now to be having one eye on making sure that you perform in the Pro 12 to get yourself into the top four, into the top two and maybe make a, a final of the Pro 12 to look after next year's pool is a, is a small bit grim. Yeah, and it's a, it's a mind shift that um, the provinces are going to have to get used to because it's, it's a new reality. Connacht clearly have understood this and they've been uh, absolutely out the gates so far faster than anybody else. They're top of the table and they're trying, starting to assert themselves as um, a team who believe they can go to Munster and win this game. And rightfully so, right? Yeah, I think they. I think they can. I think for for a couple of reasons. I think you know we talked about that cohesive nature of of teams. You know, coming back from World Cup and obviously you know, teams like Toulon, Glasgow, Leinster had had huge numbers away at the World Cup, and they've all struggled to fit back in. Connacht didn't really have that issue. They only had a couple of players involved, and so to be able to integrate them quite quickly, good quality players like. Uh, like Nathan White and, and Robbie Henshaw um, who understand the system um, w- wouldn't be difficult to, to get those players back playing the Connacht way and their 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 veins are coursing with confidence at the moment yeah they you know they know what way they want to go about playing and provided they can be lucky with you know with not picking up some big injuries to key players there's no reason that they can't continue as the, as they are and Munster, you know, are definitely less invincible in Thoman Park than than previous years, just by looking at the team on paper. But at the same time, um, I, I would, I would, I would think that Munster should have enough. But I wouldn't be shocked if I saw a Connacht upset. We did the Munster Treviso game, and we were down there for it. And Munster were brilliant the first ten minutes, and then suddenly things didn't go their way, and they had a kick block down in their twenty-two, and Treviso scored a try, and they had literally forty minutes of panic. Mm. Like, it's the I, old. Where's Paulie? Where's Pete? You know, and when when those guys are gone, of course there is going to be a bit of uncertainty. When you do look next to a guy, and even if he's not saying a whole lot, but he's there, he's been there for eight, nine, ten seasons. Felix at the oh, it's okay. Felix is at fullback. He's not anymore. Yeah. So you, when you lose these key guys, of course there's a knock-on effect, and that's the same. Um, in Shane Jennings and Gordon Darcy gone, you know, Jeno didn't have to say an awful lot. Darcy didn't say a huge amount, but you have the confidence in his in his ability because he's done it so many times yeah. and so uh, Munster have to grow that again they have to grow it in um, the likes of Stander you know doing it season on season um, you know players like like Earlsy really need to front up now he's playing in the in the centre this weekend um, so you know, players like him really need to take a leadership role because they've been at it five, six seasons seven seasons some of them now and you know when others are looking around and these academy guys are coming through and they realise that they're the senior players. There's an expectation of them. Yeah, that takes a little bit of time for a lot of people to deal with. Yeah, but like, Tough. not everyone. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, I don't care if you're not a leader, if you don't feel as though you're a leader, or you don't even have to say a whole lot. It's just about how um, how you 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 bring positivity to things, how you how you bring chat and communication to people, how you put people's mind at rest, just giving that small chat. What what these academy players haven't heard. Um, what's relatively new to them, and yeah. I remember, I remember talking um, in in '09 with Jamie Roberts in the in in the centre in the lines uh, to South Africa, and you know, we didn't really know one another. We played a couple of games midweek, and I remember afterwards him saying to me, "God Almighty, you talk an awful lot on the pitch, don't you?" <laughs> and I talk, I took that as a major positive because it's all the small chat of just. You know, kick chase, chatting to him because you can be sure if you're chatting to him, the opposition here you're talking to, and you're organised. Chat means you're organised, yeah. and it means you're fit. It means I'm not struggling. I can't say anything because I'm blowing here. Yeah. 
that's all that small little chat of just putting doubt into their mind and, and helping those in your team. And when young lads hear that, um, and particularly from, from 13 playing with your winger, I'd always just constantly be, be telling the same message to my winger. This is what I'm going to do defensively or this is what we're going to do in attack. Be ready for this. And it's it's those things that just help you help that transition from playing underage and playing you know AIL into the into the bigger games pro 12 Europe and and, and hopefully onto international. Okay, we've got to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about the contracts uh, of Robbie Henshaw, Ian Madigan and maybe a bit about Stephen Moore as well. Off the ball. Getting inside the game. Sponsored by Ireland's favorite car brand, Ford. Go further. All right, you're very welcome back to Off the Ball this Friday night. Brian O'Driscoll is with us in studio. If you've got any comments for us, you can hit us up at Off the Ball. Contracts, it's that time of year. It's, uh, it's Christmas for agents. Um, the Robbie deal, right? We, this came up during the week and we spoke with uh, Jerry Thorney. who said, I don't know even why we're still talking about this. Robbie Henshaw's going to join Leinster. It's like pretty much a done deal. That was what he was saying. Um, I was making the case that it's possible that this is a win-win for everybody. The Connacht fans thought that we were ridiculous, very Leinster biased, and uh, what the hell is going on? How can it be that this province is suddenly top of the table and is having their their best asset ripped from them? They've got a bit of a point. Yeah, they do. I feel totally in the dark on this, by the way. Oh, yeah? You know, having had a relationship with Robbie, <laughs> I must, I've been cut off. No, um, and then with Leinster, they're obviously keeping their cars close to the chest if it is a, if it is a, a done deal. I absolutely don't know whether it is or not. Um, I remember talking to Robbie before and um, I'm sure that the Connacht fans won't love hearing this but I did say to him that you should play you should be trying to play A with players that are potentially you see as potentially being better than you that's how you improve and and also in a back line where you know the, the future of the Irish rugby team is going to be playing if you play with the likes of Johnny or the likes of um, Luke Fitzgerald or, or Rob Carney on a regular basis I think that makes you a better player Having said that, Connacht are doing great this year and they've got some really nice up-and-coming young players. But I think they're getting from Robbie more than Robbie's getting from them. Yeah. And you know, from a selfish point of view, if I was Robbie, would I be looking elsewhere? I would. Um, but you know, there's always ties to your own province and your own team. And it'll no matter what, it'll be a hard decision because Connacht are going so well this season and Leinster are struggling a bit. Yeah. Um, but... You know, and I'm sure I saw Anthony Foley had a few comments during the week. You know, he didn't want to talk. He didn't want to talk about you know a player that he was going to be facing at the weekend. But of course, he'd be mad keen. You know, they 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 would love a 12, 13, you know, uh, utility fifteen as yeah. well in their team. He'd jump at the opportunity. Well, he would transform Munster in in terms of just a sense of excitement about the you know there's like Zebo is the most marketable uh, Zebo and Murray are the most marketable things that they have in Munster at the moment but they need bums on seats and they need excitement about the, the province and signing Henshaw would be great Leinster need that excitement too at the moment yeah they do and it's funny because there there is you look at the changes being made this week and there is a little bit of an embarrassment of riches albeit these players aren't playing at their best at the moment yeah. but when you're able to you know you've got Noel Reed. You know that that comes in and out. You know, has had a couple, had a reasonably good performance against Wasps in a bad defeat. Yeah. Um. And you've got Lukey can come in at twelve. Robbie potentially. Gary Ringrose is on the bench this weekend. Can play in at thirteen. Who knows what's going to happen with Ben Teo next season? Whether he's going to be still be in Leinster. So you do have some real good quality in that. You know, twelve, thirteen, and wing space. Um. So, you know, 
is there is there room for Robbie? Of course, there's always room. The yeah. lads, they'll make room because a player of his caliber will always start. Yeah, and that's why you know maybe other players, if they feel as though that move is going to happen, they're going to need to move on. Well, that brings us nicely to um, Ian Madigan, who's actually been picked at twelve this week. Now maybe he's getting in at twelve because of the various players who are being rested or whatever or maybe he's getting into 12 because they need to have a look at him at 12 and see if that's potentially a long term future yeah. for him maybe they, they feel as though his spark um, you know coming from um, you know, from 15 at, against Wasps you know he was one of the few that probably created even you know there was minimal line breaks and he had one of them yeah. that, stand, that, that springs to mind um, you know he's played a, a lot of the last couple of seasons at 12 um, not you know out of choice, but out of necessity because of Jimmy Goppert. Now with Johnny back, there hasn't been much opportunity except when Johnny's going to be rested. Johnny's going to be playing, um, you know the 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 European games, the first choice games, the biggest games at ten. So Ian has to find a an, an alternative role, and he's happy to do that for the time being for this season. He wants game time, and wherever that that is, it doesn't really matter. But I think Leo's probably just looking at options because. They haven't really fired very well, um, you know. Other than maybe a bit when when Noah went reasonably well against Wasps. Yeah, uh, in terms of the situation with his contract, there's a strong case for him to go away and play ten, and not be shunned by the Irish setup. That actually, at some point when there's a blockage in the system, players are going to have to move to England, and we're still going to have to pick them. There is, there's, there's, of course, there is. It's funny because I'm a bit in a, in disagreement with with some com- with a couple of comments that Paulie uh, made a few weeks ago about you know no player. I don't know whether you know it was verbatim as he said, and I give him the benefit of the doubt. But I I I don't agree that you know a player has no right to go abroad if they want to to play for Ireland because there are situations that arise where. Um, the likes of Ian Madigan, you look up north, Paddy Jackson, you look at Ian Keatley down in Munster and Johnny at um, at Leinster, um, and you realise that he wants to play ten, and you know he, he's not getting his opportunity. So yeah. of course, you know it, it's opening up that he might need to go overseas, and particularly with some of certainly some of the lucrative offers that are being bandied around this week. How could he not take up one of those opportunities? Yeah, I mean, and in the, fairness, sorry, Jerry, I, I think he's playing it very well. I think he went obviously went in and had to do media this week, but he's saying all the right things. Um, you know, he's he's not down in Biriots parading himself around the place. <laughs> um, so he's just doing the right thing, answering the questions and being honest with people, but being frank and upright and upfront with them too. Yeah. So, um, I, I, you know, I hope. I hope it does for his sake get resolved early and he deserves to you know to uh, to be looked after and and he, and if he wants to play 10 for another club you know it's very hard to stop him. Yeah, and playing 10 in the premiership and learning you know having two or three seasons doing that isn't necessarily the worst thing from a career perspective for Ireland either. That actually when he has to be the man and have that responsibility and looks around and there's no one else going it's like okay, I that, it's exactly the point you were making earlier. I'm the man now. Yeah. And 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 feel loved by another club. There's even part of that. It's yeah. like you're a, you're an essential part of our club. We can't be without you. Hmm. Whereas at the moment, does he feel that in Leinster? Absolutely, I wouldn't think so. He's you know he's he's a 23 player. He's in and out. Really, you know, um, um, first choice sub 10, obviously. Um, but I don't think he feels as though he's irreplaceable in Leinster. Whereas. It's nice from from the ego in the player to go to a to a club where they think you know we're Joe, we're basing our game around you if, and you're our you're our new you know tactical leader so 
um, you know that number ten jersey is yours. You know, guide us to to playing some good rugby and some good wins. If Connacht qualify for the Champions Cup, is there a point where you go? Actually, you know what, and and it's going to be a central contract, and the RFU are going to pay it. That's all right. That's it. Well, I, I listen. I I wouldn't. I absolutely wouldn't rule that out for Ian. I just just hearing some of you know whether the RFU is able to compete with some of the money that yeah, is being fairness, the half a million touted. from Bristol is unbelievable yeah, money. Like, so. You know that's yeah. that's you know <laughs> boots in the bag immediately, isn't it? Half half a million. Um, Sterling Strong too, although that was Euros, wasn't it? Yeah, maybe oh, God it was. love him. <laughs> uh, the one last point, right about um, play with better players. The the Stephen Moore to Munster story, it appeared and it was dead almost immediately. And you just wonder what having Stephen Moore, who does have pretty strong Irish connections, he lived in Galway for a long time, um, coming to a squad like Munster. And then, you know, they've a really good chance of reaching the quarterfinals of the Champions Cup this season. You have him a training for a season. It's a bit of the Brad Thorne impact. He would have been a great signing. I, I don't know on what grounds it got shot down. They've got loads more than you're supposed to have already foreign players okay. at the moment. Okay. And Do you know what? Well, if there isn't a little bit of flexibility, particularly Munster are struggling at hooker too. And when they had, you know, Jerry Flannery and even before him, they had Frankie Sheehan, guys that did a really good job. Now they've had guys in and out. You had Damien Varley retiring last year. Mike Sherry's had terrible injuries. Yeah. Um, Duncan Casey's just got you know, just picked up another injury so you've got real uncertainty if you can get a guy a, a really good leader captain of Australia in a World Cup final if you can get him into your squad I think he would do wonders for um, for developing the other players around him a la Paul O'Connell about what he, what he did I think Dunica Ryan just watching him on the pitch he's really trying to step up to the Paul O'Connell role um, which you know he, he definitely has the respect of everyone around maybe not the same presence as Paulie but they could absolutely do with another player of Stephen Moore's calibre in there. And particularly, you know, when you've got two 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 hookers at at, um, at Leinster in, in Cronin and um, and Rickard Strauss, Rory Best up north. It's not as though we've got multiple foreign hookers in other in, in, in other positions. So yeah. I think there has to be an element of leniency if the provinces are going to be competitive. Yeah, because like, this is the other thing at the moment, that uh, if the provinces aren't competitive for a period of time, then the grounds won't be busy the ability to attract superstar players disappears and very quickly this this whole culture that's been built up dissipates. It is kind of closed-minded in that the, the knock-on effect of the, the, the provinces not going well is, is it has huge impact on lots of levels and it's all well and good, you know, Counting the money when the provinces go well and you know are bringing are bringing in victories, but when they're not, they still need to be looked after. And you yes, you need to invest more at that point. It's a, it's a different place than it was a few years ago. You know, with six overseas players now reduced to three plus a special um, what do they call them? Project. The, the special project. Yeah. Um, like when you're competing with with the likes of Saracens, um, the likes of the Toulons of the world, it's just it's it's not gonna it's not gonna fly. Yeah, and um, I, maybe we need a few years of that for for the powers of be to to realise. 
but tricky to get it back if you let it go, though, isn't it? Yeah, it would be because then you've got to pay. Actually, you're paying over the odds to try and attract players to come to. Well, you guys don't really have much chance of silverware, so yeah. why would I come there? It's going to damage everything. Yeah, and as well, genuinely, the sterling sterling does hurt us. You know, when it is as strong as it is, because now they're paying more than they did in years gone by. They didn't have to, whereas now they're competing with France, realizing France money is going stupid. We've got to go a little bit silly too. And you hear half a million sterling from the likes yeah. of Bristol who are in the championship. Um, God knows, you know what's going on with the bats and Harrys of the world, but that's for that's for another day. But yeah. that's you know the money being mentioned there. Of course, then all the top quality um, Southern Hemisphere players are going to go to those clubs, and some will accept you know money rather than medals because then maybe they've got their medals in the in the bank. Yeah, but some will also want to to marry the two. Yeah, um, and that's where a, a Claremont or a Toulon or a Saracens becomes very. Uh, a very tasty proposition. Yeah. All right. Plenty of food for thought, Brian. Great stuff. Thanks very much. Cheers. Off the ball. Getting inside the game. Sponsored by Ireland's favourite car brand, Ford. Go further.